what God did in the moment requires you to stay with it for the rest of your life. You've got to not take responsibility after the moment is gone to stay with what happened in that moment. There is no retirement in the kingdom. Don't join the club of believers who only speak of what God used to do in their lives and with their lives. Because God's expectation of you is that you're always on fire. The word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Be blessed today as God's servant, Reverend Peter Ayo Alabi, brings you God's word. The flock is in the care of a pastor. The flock is in the care of a pastor. So also what do teachers do in the body of Christ? They supply something, but it's not in their role to oversee God's people on a permanent basis. No. That's not their job. That's the job of a pastor. That's the job of a pastor. He's like a child. Did you see that? Saying he's going to grow under the baker and he's going to just be eating cake. Did you see that? It's not going to grow. A child needs a home, not a bakery. Needs a home to grow. Shelter on his head. Fellowship with his siblings and parents. Did you see that? And then he's nourished with different orishi diets. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Only that in God's kitchen, he cooks one thing and it's a balanced meal. <laughs> Did you see what I'm saying now? So you got to understand, First Peter 2, 2, as new boys desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. So the sincere milk of the word will cause you to grow. It will cause you to grow. I, sometimes I just see in Boy Crisis in these days that there are people who are called to be teachers, but they're trying to function like pastors. It doesn't matter how big his fo- the person's following is, male, female. He's going to answer to Christ at the judgment seat. You overstep your boundaries in the calling, you'll be penalized for it before the Lord. Men may clap for you, but God is not going to do that. Ministry must be done in such a way that you make it easier for the other person to do his own role, not to encroach. You know, one of my friends you know, posted something a few weeks ago. He's not even a pastor, but a very good Christian. And he said, you know, if you are my friend and I teach you how to fish, don't fish near my pond. <laughs> if your friend teaches you how to fish, then don't go far away and do yours. That's what I'm saying right now. And I think in the ministry, the Lord has to say that to a lot of people today in the body of Christ. Because, you know, and I think the reason why these things are happening in the body of Christ is that people seem to look at the church as the place where there's a lot of benefit for ministry. But they don't realize that really when you look at a local church, you are looking at three things. People, problems, and devils. You're shocked? I'm just telling you. Look around you. What do you see? People. <laughs> All these people are looking at, do they have problems? Who is causing it? The devil. <laughs> but what some people see when they look at church is just they're looking at the possibility of offerings and, you know, and, honor they receive and all that and i just look at them and i pity them it's a combination of people who have problems at different times in their life jesus said it in this way you're going to have many what troubles psalm 34 19 many are the afflictions of the righteous did you see that did he say a few he said many 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 of you right now there's a lot of problems many ask your neighbor say hope they are not too much 
Some of the people sitting next to you, you don't even need to ask them. By the look on their face, you can tell there's a lot of problems. Serious problems, you know. Do you see what I'm saying? But is it many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord divides him from a few? Dividing from one or two? From how many? From how many? Does he deliver? Has he delivered you before? Will he still deliver you? So, but unfortunately, a lot of people look at church and they just, you know, feel, well, you know, it's, it's fascinating to them. And so people step outside their calling. And it causes a lot of imbalance in the body of Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But when you see people who are well taught, as you are being well taught, then you understand the place of every ministry gift. That it's not in the place of a, pastor, uh, of a teacher to try to calm God's people. It's not in his place. It's not in his place. And that's why if, I, if you trouble that teacher too much, you'll notice that he doesn't have the anointing to be patient with people. But it is in the anointing of a pastor to stay with you. When you are wise, when you are stupid. You know, you see, in ministry, you need long-suffering with men. You need to talk with God. Hebrews 6, 12, being not slothful, but being followers of those who through faith and patience obtain the promises. Promises who made? God. So you relate to God with what? Patience. But you relate to men with what? That's why long-suffering is the fruit of the Spirit in his dealings with you. He gives it to you to use it to relate to human beings. You need long-suffering with human beings. Long. That's why I call it long-suffering. It's long. Sometimes you can even switch over thought to suffering long. That's one of the major characteristics in the pastoral anointing. The pastor must be able to suffer long or long suffer <laughs> with people. You see what I'm saying now? It's in the anointing of a pastor. One of the ways you see the practice or the exhibition of long suffering in the pastoral anointing is the, the ease with which a pastor can continually repeat himself. It's not burdensome to a pastor to repeat himself. You see what I'm saying? And that's what you see Paul saying to Timothy. He said you've got to teach, correct, rebuke with long suffering. Are you hearing that? And so as a believer, you also must have that willingness to hear the same things again and again. Did you see that? Again and again. That's what we're looking at. First Corinthians 3, 6. I, Paul, planted. Did you see that? I, Paul, planted. So we see what did Paul plant. Let's go back now to Romans. Romans. The 16th chapter, the 25th verse. Are you still there? Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. So I've explained that to you. It's not something he invented. And the preaching, that is, which is the preaching of Jesus Christ. So when he said, I planted, what did he plant? He preached the gospel. That's the meaning of that. He preached the gospel. And Paul did this everywhere. Did you see now? He did this everywhere. You notice, he says, And the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, did you see that? Which was kept secret since the world began. But now is made manifest, did you see that? And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of the faith. So Paul planted what now? The message of Christ. 
Paul planted the message of Christ. That is, every time he preached, he was doing what? Planting seeds. But it's very important for you to understand that usually when a message is preached to a people for the first time, that's the planting of it. But every subsequent time afterwards is the watering of it. Did you see that now? When, when you read in 1 Corinthians 3, so let's go back to 1 Corinthians 3 now. Just need you to, to get this foundation and get it well. Glory to God. So Paul says in verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watered, but God that gave the increase. Now, he that planted and he that watered are one. Our one there means we're doing the same thing. Do you understand that now? He that planted and he that watered are one. That is, we're doing the same thing. Who was Apollos? A preacher. A teacher. Now, you're going to know that Apollos was a preacher and a teacher. Let's go to Acts 19. So, we're still coming back to 1 Corinthians, but let's go quickly to Acts chapter 19. Praise the name of the Lord. In the book of Acts. And um, we're going to see, just a moment. Did I say 19? Sorry, 18. Acts 18. Acts 18. And we're reading from the 24th verse. Acts 18, the 24th verse. And a certain Jew named what? Come on, talk like your voice is yours. Named what? Named what? Apollos. Did you see? Born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So, first of all, in this description here, we can see that Apollos is a what? He's a preacher. He's a preacher of the word. Can you see that? He says this man was mighty in scriptures. Anytime you see the word scriptures in the New Testament, it's referring to the Old Testament writings. He says this man was mighty in scriptures. Instructed in the way of the Lord. Being fervent in the spirit. He spake and taught diligently. So notice he spake and did what? Taught. Wake up and speak like somebody that has spirit. He, he did what? He spake and what? Come on. He spake and what? Can you speak? Can you speak? Uh, tell them I say he spake and taught. So who is Apollos then? And? Good. A preacher and? You know, when I'm close to you, and I'm saying, what do I, <laughs> I can see the way the guy's never. <laughs> but I don't go and say rubbish. <laughs> so, who is Apollos again? Come on, uh, who is Apollos again? A preacher and a teacher. Did you see that now? So, notice, therefore, of course, you know what happened to him in verse 26. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of god more perfectly 
and see the result of it verse 27 and when he was disposed to pass into Achaia the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him who when he was come helped them much which had believed through grace for he mightily convinced the Jews and and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ so notice again all of these verses tell us Apollos was a preacher and a teacher of the word of course, you see the progression of his life. He matured at some point. They expounded to him more perfectly the way of God. And then he became even more useful to establish the saints through the same ministry of teaching. So back in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6 and 7 and 8 and then 9. Glory to God. And this is important. You notice what we just read in Acts chapter 18 that Priscilla and Aquila did not have as much clout as Apollos. Apollos was, as it were, what would you call a big man of God? The guy who is a popular preacher. Everybody knows him. But Aquila and Priscilla were just a couple, you know, people who were part of Paul's team, associates of Paul. However, you see, the Bible says that Apollos was an eloquent man, had clout, several hundreds of thousands of followers. On Instagram. And if you had checked Priscilla and Aquila's page, maybe just about 210. When they post, their post is there, just gathering dust. Nobody's commenting, no serious traction there. But you will see something to learn in both Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos. Number one, that Priscilla and Aquila were not intimidated by Apollos' cloud. We need more men like that in the body of Christ. And I'll tell you, the reason why there are many Apollos' running riot and wild with half knowledge of the truth, with no ministerial ethics, but with great cloud, is because they are, the Aquilas and Priscillas that should tutor them are admiring them. You see? And sometimes I even trying to leverage on their cloud and ride on Apollos' cloud. Selfish ambitions. One of the marks of a true father is that he is not after what you have. He is rather after your soul. He's watching for your soul. That's one of the true marks of a father. Can you see that? And that's one thing you see that is very exemplary about, exemplary rather, uh, in uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. You see that. They were not intimidated by Apollos' clouds. Now, Notice number two, neither were they jealous or threatened by it. They weren't jealous either. So they were not starstruck and they were not also jealous of him. Because that's another issue. Because if they were jealous, they would rather start criticizing him and use what he doesn't know against him. And that's not the spirit of Christ. Love walketh no ill to his neighbor. Never. And so what did they do from that place of maturity? Notice they didn't correct him publicly. They took him aside. So what did they do? They were still interested in the continuity of his ministry. But they took him aside and expounded to him more perfectly the way of the Lord. Sometimes the so-called uh, correction or criticism you see some people making concerning ministers who are popular but are not so sound. He's coming out of a wrong place. 
That's only way you can see they want to practically bring the guy down. His hatred, his jealousy is not the spirit of Christ. The wrath of man will never walk the righteousness of God. So I'm going to do that. You don't deplete God's army because you don't like the uniform of the person. Because he doesn't use your style. So you want to bring him down. Don't do that. We've got to learn from Priscilla and Aquila. And let me say to many of you here, there are some of you here that God hasn't called you to the fivefold ministry. But let me tell you, in the body of Christ, there must always be people like Priscilla and Aquila who are mature Christians, who may not be pastors over churches, but they are elders in the body. And you know one of the major marks of an elder is not that he's garrulous, he's no age. You know, I was surprised when some folks called me all the time and they were saying, I live with the elders. I said, in whose church? You call yourself elder. Under me. Who could I let that? Elder call elder me. <laughs> and I know they were talking from the point of because they felt they were older than most of the leaders in the church. They say, I was elder. That's why you can't stay in my, you can't stay under my ministry. Elder what? You think it's age that makes somebody an elder in the body of Christ? No, it's not age. There are people that may be in their 30s, but they are elders. Are you hear what I'm saying? And one of the marks of an elder in the church, all right, in the local church, under God, is the mark of humility. The moment you think you are an elder and then you want to act like you are over everybody, you are not an elder again. You are a baby. Are you hear what I'm saying? And it takes years. Years of diligence. So it's not years of marking time. It's years of actually growing. People become elders by years of growth. Commitment to the things of God. And they, you see, men like that amongst us must be content with that. I may not be called to the five-fold ministry, but I'm content being a strong support in the local church. Did you see that? And as I was, you know, fixing to say on Saturday at the stewards meeting, for those who are here, those who are, who are stewards who are here on Saturday, and I was saying this in local church, don't come to the church with a mindset of promotion. Now, if I serve, 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 uh, you know, I've been standing behind camera for at least five years. Ah, by now they should have made me a team head. No, the kingdom of God doesn't work like that too. And let me tell you something, if you, if you have that kind of mentality, you can't last in this church. See, we'll that we'll see. Look at me very well. This is me. I don't have any sentiment in my blood. I'm telling you. Especially with the things of God. No sentimental. Because it's a wrong mentality that has been you know, in existence in the body of Christ for, for ages. So people have this idea of, you know, they should reward them just because of how long they've been around. And that's why there's a lot of mediocrity in the body of Christ. They want to reward people for just the time they've been around. You are not even in the secular, they don't even do that. Nobody reward. Have you seen how a gate man becomes the MD just because he has been there for 20 years? They say, Ah, since you've been here for 20 years, how, how can we leave you here at the gate? Oh, yeah, come upstairs. <laughs> if not, you come upstairs, it's only to drink tea and go back. <laughs> If you don't want to be at that gate again, then grow. And even if you grow, self, perhaps you will grow in your capacity as a security person. So perhaps you can grow from being the one at the gate to being the CSO. So God will put you in a, in a field, in a space. Your grace is in your space. 
So there's nothing like promotion where, you know, I, I came as, a, as an usher. I'm sure by the time the Jesus Christ is coming, 13 years from now, I should be an associate pastor in this church. Ah, don't plot that graph or you'll be disappointed. <laughs> because here yeah, we are men of the spirit. And men of the spirit are people who are content with whatever God wants them to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And whatever it is God wants us to do in the local church, in his body, is what he will reward us for. So I marvel when you see Christians who is as though they are more particular about the ovation they will get from men. And that's what Jesus said. He said, he said, he said you seek honor from men. John chapter 5. He said, you, you, you seek honor from men. He said, that's why you cannot hear God. You cannot believe him. So because you, you, take, you seek honor from men. Honor must come from the Lord. And the honor of the Lord is in the fact that he told you to do something. That is honor. Did you see that? So there must be men like Priscilla and Aquila in the body. The problem in the body of Christ is that Priscilla and Aquila of this generation, they want to take the place of Apollos. Priscilla and Aquila of this generation, they want to take the place of Apollos. There are some ministry gifts. Let me scratch that. There are some believers in the body whose assignment is to play a role where they will never be seen. And if God has called you to something like that, be content. And let me even tell you, there is more glory in such roles. Look at your body now. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul spoke about that. But look at your body now. The most vital organs of your body responsible for your life, they are hidden. Imagine one day, God forbid, your heart say, I want, ah, nobody is saying I celebrate you to me. I want to come outside. <laughs> and your heart begins to knock your chest. Co, 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 co. Introduce me, introduce me. Take picture of me, expose me. Take picture of me, post me. Do Instagram post, post me, let people see me. <laughs> you know, it's in heaven, they will begin to they will do that puzzle, but you the person will not be alive to watch it. <laughs> and that's why you must understand in the body of Christ that when one is honored, all are honored. And that's the spirit that must flow in the local church. When one is honored, all of us are honored. All of us are honored. Now, if anybody comes and says, you know, that, you know, you've been a blessing to my ministry. Let me tell you something. It trickles down to the person behind the camera that made it possible for that message to be recorded. To the person that was tweeting and posting all the, the, the highlights of the message. To the music team that sang. To the person who led the open prayer. To all the teams. So the usher that said, welcome. It trickles down. The problem is when the usher now says, ah, ah. Is he only dad? Huh? At least okay, sir, you should be telling people that we are here. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, too. So there must be Priscilla's and Aquila's who are so. And notice, if there were people who were, were chasing after cloud, they would have done that correction publicly so people can know we are the ones responsible for setting these guys right. But no, they did it what? Privately. They did it privately. And then on the other hand, Apollos also is exemplary. Because with all his clouds, he realized that if there is something missing in your discipleship, no matter how far you've gone, go back and get it. That he hasn't allowed this cloud to get into his head. That I need to learn. 
No, I must say you've got to be careful because you know you don't have a wrong spirit. They say young Christian who is now coaching to his pastor. Ah, it should be scripture. What I know, you know, Job 13 2. I am not inferior to you. If I can't start there, you can even go to Job 12 3. You see what you understand, I also understand. I am not inferior to you. Is it the Bible? He's not continuing that to your pastor. <laughs> you see what you know, I know. Ah, you see, I've said you may be self-taught, and even that one is very impossible, but you cannot be self-discipled. As we grow in our work with the Lord, there will be points where we need corrections here and there. And when we come to those points, we must do what? Embrace the correction. And be like Apollos. Because right after that correction, he went on to be a greater blessing. To the saints of God. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice who wants to go on to be a greater blessing? Someone say, I receive corrections. Say, I receive the word. Did you see that? So we've seen that Apollos was a preacher and a teacher. Paul was a preacher and a teacher. So when he said, I planted 1 Corinthians 3, 6. And he said, Apollos water. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 3. Glory to Jesus. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So again, notice who gives the increase? God gives the increase. Verse 8, now he that planted and he that watereth are one. I told you earlier on that one and the same, that he's doing the same thing. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Verse 9, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, and ye are God's what? Somebody say, I'm God's husbandry. Say like you mean it. Say, I'm God's husbandry. I am God's building. Say it again. Say, I'm God's husbandry. I am God's building. You know, that's another way of saying, we are God's vineyard. Do you understand that now? And it says, he waters us every moment. Did you see that? Isaiah 27, 3. You see, I, the Lord, do keep it. He said, I will water it every moment. He said, lest any hurt you, I will keep it night and day. Can you see that? And he's talking about his own vineyard, and that's us. Say it after me. Say, I'm the Lord's vineyard. Say it like you, you, you believe it. Say, I'm the Lord's vineyard. And I am the Lord's building. Can you talk like your voice? You just say, I'm the Lord's vineyard. And I am the Lord's building. Say, the Lord keeps me. He waters me every moment. I am built. Say it again. Say, I'm built up. Did you see that? You know that in First Corinthians two, sorry, First Peter two five. Ye also as lively stones or living stones are built up a spiritual house. Did you see to offer and the priesthood to offer our spiritual sacrifices unto God? We are built up a spiritual house. So we are God's building. So you notice it. Paul said to Peter, said it. What else do you need? Did you see that? Paul says you are God's husbandry or vineyard. You are God's building. Apostle Peter says you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house. Hebrews 3, 6, he said, whose house are we? Did you see that? If we hold fast our profession. Whose house are we? So truly we are God's building. So you must see yourself as those two things. His vineyard, his planting, and also what? His building. Did you see that now? His building, of course, you understand, because we are his habitation. Do you understand that? It lives in us. Let me say to you, as a building of God, the believer is both his temple and his residence. 
As the temple of the Lord, sacrifices are offered there by you unto him. <clears throat> Excuse me. As his residence, he lives in you. So you understand those two dimensions of us being God's building. We are his temple and we are his home. We are his temple and we are his home. And that's why you see such prayers in Philippians, verse 9 to 12. This I pray that your love may abound yet more knowledge and all judgment, that ye may approve the things that are excellent, and that ye may be sincere and without offense unto the day of Jesus Christ, bringing forth fruits of righteousness. A fruit is going to be found in a vineyard. Did you see that? In a vineyard. In a vineyard. So as it's vineyard, we are expected to be fruitful. We are the planting of the Lord. Let's see a few more scriptures that talk about that. Go to Isaiah chapter 60, I believe. And the third verse, Isaiah chapter 60. Glory to God. Somebody say, I love the word of God. Woo, hallelujah. And he said, uh, did I say 60, 61? I beg your pardon. Isaiah 61 from verse 3. To appoint unto them the morning Zion, to give unto them beautiful ashes, and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called, what? Trees of righteousness. So notice if he says in Philippians 1, 12, that we're going to bring forth fruit of righteousness, then it, it means we must be trees of righteousness. And right in Isaiah 6, 1, 3, what does he call us? Trees of righteousness. Notice that again. That they might be called what? Trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. Did you see that? That who might be glorified? That who might be glorified? Do you have a Bible in your hand? Read it. That who might be glorified? God. He. That's God he's talking about. That we might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That he, God, might be glorified. You go also to Psalm 92. Psalm 92 and the 13th verse. So that you see we are the planting of the Lord. Psalm 92. We're going to read the 13th and the 14th verse. Psalm 92. And the psalmist speaking said, The righteous shall flourish, notice now, like the palm tree. He said, He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Then he says in verse, in verse 13, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall what? flourish in the courts of our God. So notice that those that be planted in the house of the Lord. And he had said to us in Isaiah 6, 1, 3, that he calls the righteousness, the planting of the Lord. So now he's telling us where they are planted. In the house of the Lord. And he says, when we're planted in the house of the Lord, we shall what? Flourish in the courts of our God. Do you notice? Know because you see, glory to God, thank you Lord. Everything has its place. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. yes, we are planting, but there is a place to be planted. Because not every seed will grow everywhere. Mm. Mm. That's why some things are only grown up north. Yes. They can't grow down south. Yes. Some grow down south. They can't grow up north. Yes. And that's the way the believer is. It's the planting of the Lord. But he tells you where you must be planted. In the house of the Lord. Then you will what? Flourish in the courts of our God. Everything has its place. <laughs> Everything has its place. You better believe it. Everything has its place. When things are out of place, there will be pain. If your bone, or any one of your bone, over 300 of them, an adult has how many bones now? 300 and what? Come on now. 206? Adult? Is it 2 or 3? 306? 
We are not even sure. How would we know? Yes? Google it, Google it, Google it. Don't from there go to Instagram. 206, you're right. Good. So an adult has 206. If any of your 206 bones, assuming they are all still complete, by the word of the Lord, he said, keep my bones, not one of them is broken. Someone say, that's me. God forbid if any of those 206 bones goes out of his place, you don't need an announcement. You will know. Because pain will tell you. Everything must be in his place. You are God's planting. Let God find you where he puts you. Let God always find you where he puts you. Did you see that? So you know this poor planet, Apollo's water, and he says because you are God's husbandry and you are God's uh, building. Now, I've explained to you what that means, therefore, is the word, when it is preached the first time, that's the sowing of it, every subsequent time, the same thing is being preached is the watering of it. Did you know if, you just, if all you did was to plant a seed and you don't water it, you're not going to get a harvest. So understand, therefore, if... The first time you hear a word is like the sowing of it. And sometimes, I might, I might say, there are times where it takes more than one time for it to even be planted. Because sometimes you really didn't hear it the first time. Sometimes you didn't hear it the second time. Sometimes you did not even hear it until the tenth time. So whenever that word really enters your heart, that is when it was sown. And you see why we cannot even gamble to just preach something once and say you got it. Because some don't even get the word in their hearts the first, the second, the fourth, even the tenth time. And what I'm saying to you today is to understand the value in repetition. And if you don't see the value in repetition, you don't have a future in Christ. You don't. I'll say it again. If you don't see the value in repetition, you don't have a future with God. Because the kingdom of God is built upon the system of a seed. And we've seen Mark 4.14, the sower sower the word, Luke 8.11, the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And how does that work? So, you must understand, we don't all hear on the same level. Some people, the first time they heard it, the seed entered. Some others, it might be the tenth time before the seed entered your heart. But notice, after the seed enters your heart, there must be the watering. The amazing thing about God's kingdom structure is that the same thing we do to plant the seed is the same thing we do to water it. And it's the power of what? Repetition. We keep hearing the same thing again. We keep hearing the same. So for example now, if I come, like we're going to do this weekend, Easter Sunday, Easter Monday, the Resurrection Faith Convention, I'm going to be teaching the basics of faith. ABCs of faith. For many of you, it is the watering. While for others, it is actually the first opportunity to plant the seed. You say, oh, how do I know which one I am? I can tell you. If you have not really been living by faith, even though you've heard teachings of faith before, the seed has never entered your heart yet. It is impossible for the seed of God's word concerning the faith's message to enter your heart and it won't grab your spirit man.
Because the truth is, I realized not many Christians are living by faith. Not many Christians are living by faith. I've always told you, faith is not in a fight against medicine. Neither is medicine a fight against faith, against faith. But listen to me. I've always told you this. Even though it's not a conflict issue, one is superior to the other. And therefore must take preeminence over the other. What that simply means is you should build your Christian life to a point where if you feel pain in your body, the first thing I remember is God's word, not medicine. Many people wait until their life is hanging. Because there are situations where a person's life is hanging and even the doctors will tell you it's a 50-50 chance. And those are the points where you realize that you had better know God's word well. Because in such situations, you really need the leading of the Holy Ghost to tell you whether you should go for that medical procedure or not. Because the doctor is that he's going to do it, he's telling you it's 50 50. That he's not sure. There are many cases like that. But you shouldn't wait until such situations. I've told you the best of God is health. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou be in health and prosper even as your soul prospereth. Third John 2. The best of God is health. Healing is not God's best. God's best is that you be in health. Healing is an intervention. Health is the state of being that God promised and God wants for you. That you be in health. I am in health. And it shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Psalm 1 verse 3. Did you see that? A tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth, he shall. And after that prosperity is all encompassing. All encompassing. My leaves are always green. You know when you see a tree whose leaves are green, it's a sign of health. <laughs> always green. Nourished. I had a barber cut my hair for me earlier this afternoon and I was just meditating when I was here yesterday somebody saw me he hasn't seen me in the longer he said say you're always looking fresh and young I'm a little older than you think I am <laughs> and as I was cutting my hair something I just, I was just meditating and the Lord said to me it's the word the word is working <laughs> some confessions will be saying for years Psalm 103, it fills my mouth with good things. It renews my youth like the eagles. My youth is renewed 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 like the eagles. Mom will tell you, I used to sit on questions from if I days then. Say no wrinkles. No wrinkles. No wrinkles. Fresh. To what Jawad were fresh, man. Ah, you think it's, it's vegetable? Ah, it's what? Of course, you eat good too. But there are many people eating good and they are on sha. I don't know the English word. It's shine. <laughs> yeah? Eroding. Somebody said, not me. The older I get, the fresher I become. And not just fresh on the outside, though. Not one camera. Well. No. Sound mind. Sound mind. You know, you can imagine a person who is you are just that and say, you know, I, I, you know, I, I have this bad habit. I don't remember people's. Eh? 
I remember. I remember. Sharp memory. Retentive memory. A large mind. <laughs> Somebody say, I've got a sound mind. Now, I remember we we're talking to our spiritual parents. I asked a question and she asked me to answer. He said, Your hand, how much autonomy does he have? And I, and I realized, God, may God not let our hand be autonomous. <laughs> when your hand is autonomous, it means you have a problem. Does your hand do what he wants to do? Is it not your head that controls your hand? But you know, when a person is sick, his hand is moving on his own, he's turning on your own. I hear what I'm saying now. Those kind of sicknesses, they are not in my future. No sickness in my future. You, you should know by now that I am deliberate in making us to take these kind of confessions. Because I've seen it work for me. You've got to keep saying it. You've got to keep saying it. Some people say the word. I said it, it didn't work. Because you only said it when you were in trouble. That's not the way the word of God works. It is the word you keep saying that works in your life. Oh. Not the one that you are quickly looking for when they say, where's that Bible verse again? You can imagine somebody that is in trouble. Quickly carry for you. say, where's that Bible verse? Uh, how did they even say it? They say, uh, uh, he, he filled my ear with good things, with good news. He say, he, he, he renewed my leg. Like, 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 like the vulture. Is that what the Bible says? <laughs> He's, he's always looking for it when he's in trouble. That's why he's in trouble. It has to be constantly on your lips. Say so they are life unto those who find them. And health and medicine to all my flesh. <laughs> to all my flesh. Sometimes I want to relax. I just lay my back on the bed like that. Again, flow. Don't be sleeping with horror, horror movie. As, as you are sleeping, you're having nightmare. Your spirit is walking in this sleep. There's no rest, no peace for the wicked. <laughs> but it makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying now? Glory to God. Someone said the word is walking in my body. The word is walking in my mind. The word is working in the affairs of my life. Say the word rules my life. Day and night. Night and day. The word of God rules my life. What that means is anything that contradicts the word. The word does not allow it in my life. The word does not allow it in my life. You see that? And as I, it has to be sown in your heart. It has to be sown in your heart. You know I love the way. Uh, somebody said faith is a spiritual force that has to be sown in the soil of the human heart a force imagine when the force is sown imagine what the harvest of that force will be a mighty force a mighty force sown in the soil of the human heart and that's one thing you must understand the way God works God never I told you on Sunday God never told you to change yourself or change your life God never told you to try to make the world work. His job description for you is get the world in your life. That's what you need to do. Let the world enter your heart. Leave the rest. That's why I said Paul planted Apollo's water. Who gave the increase? God. 
Your job is easy, sir. Let the word enter. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16 In all wisdom. Paul said, you just let it dwell there. Let it, allow it enter. And see what's going to happen. Anytime I say this, I like to always say, I'm talking from experience. I have experienced what I'm telling you. Let God's word enter your heart. Let you just let it get there. Keep exposing yourself to it. Transformation is not something you pursue. Transformation is a consequence. Do what will bring transformation. Stop struggling to, to be transformed. God didn't call you to do that. That's not your job description. Transformation is a consequence. It's a consequence of exposure to the right stuff. Keep exposing yourself to the right stuff. You will find yourself transformed. Moses went to the mountain, stayed there 40 days, 40 nights. That's all he had to do. When he came down from the mountain, he didn't know that his face was shining. It was the people who saw it. But if you had asked Moses, what was your goal for going to the mountain? His goal was not to have a shining face. The shining face was the consequence of staying before God. Are you hear what I'm saying? So all this running up and down in life is because people have refused to stay with what works. I said there are situations in life where you have to lock yourself up with the word. Shut every other thing up. Just stay with the word. I told you when I was a junior secondary school student and I found myself coughing blood. And months before then, my immediate older brother, you know, had serious pneumonia, very acute. Was almost going to lose his life. And I knew what I was seeing was the traces of the same thing. And I didn't want to bother my parents because they had been through too much stress. By reason of what he went through. So you know what I did? I took God's word because I had read, find scripture that cover your case. Did you see that? If I, at that time, I had not really been exposed to Kenezeki, it was Papa, Pastor Adebue, that did you, yeah? And I took that concordance and entered into the toilet and I said, I took all the scripture where healing, heal, healeth. And I found everything. I said, one of us is coming out of here, not two of us. And I said to myself, I know it's me, not this sickness. That was the last time I coughed blood in my life. No hands was laid. No hands was laid. No leg was laid. Now for those who lay leg, that's a very satanic practice. They shall lay hands on the sick, not leg on the sick. When the person is laying leg on the sick, he's an occultist. He should come and explain himself, who is he following? I say, we're trying to invent, you know, we don't want you to be boring. Let's use leg. Hey, hey. Popalao. Eh, allergy, calm down. <laughs> Tell them, I say, we don't lay legs, we lay hands. <laughs> so the house was laid. I just stayed with God's word and I came out with result. And that statement is very true. One thing is certain. If you stick with the word, you will come back with testimony. Come on, sorry, do you believe that? If you believe, let me hear your loudest say amen. <laughs> so you got to understand, therefore, the reason why you must stir up yourself. The phrase stir it up or stir up, the phrase stir up the, is from a Greek word. There are two Greek words I'm going to just explain and then we'll close tonight. The first one is the word diegiro. I'll spell it to you. D-I-E-G-E-I-R-O. Diegiro. And it simply means to wake fully. It means to wake somebody fully. Diegiro. 
die giro. It means to wake fully. It means to wake fully. And you're going to find that word. It also means, I'm going to show you about seven places where we'll find it. It also, the word diegiro in the Greek also means to arise. It also means to arise. The word diegiro also means to raise. So when you see stare up, it also means to raise. And then the word also means to arouse. It also means to arouse. You'll find it in Matthew 1 24. Then Joseph being raised from sleep. And that word raise is the word diegiro. You also find that word in Mark 4 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him. And that word awake there is the word diegiro. And say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? In the next verse, you also find that word used, verse 39. And he arose, Diegiro, and rebuked the wind. Did you see that? You also find it in Luke 8, 24. And they came to him and awoke him. Diegiro is the word there. In John 6, 18. And the sea arose. The word arose there also is from that word, Diegiro. By reason of a great wind that blew. Second Peter 1.13. And this one is the one that is more pertinent to our teaching. He says, Yea, Apostle Peter speaking, I think it means as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up. That entire phrase, stir you up, is the word Diegiro. By putting you in remembrance. To stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Again, you see it in Second Peter 3.1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stare up, Diegiro. The phrase, I stare up, is the word Diegiro, from the word Diegiro. It says, in both which I stare up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So the word Diegiro means to wake fully. It means to arouse. It means to raise. Then it also means to awake. As we have seen it used in all those places. The second Greek word that you will find in scriptures used for this phrase, stir up, is the word anazopureo. And I'll spell that as well. Anazopureo is A-N-A-Z-O-P-U-R-E-O. I'll spell it again. A-N-A-Z-O-P-U-R-E-O. Anazopureo. It actually means to rekindle. It means to rekindle. This word is used only once in the entire New Testament Greek text of the Bible. And it's used in Paul's writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.6. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up a nazopureho, that is rekindle, did you see, the gifts of God which is in thee. By the putting on of my hands. Notice that. And again that word anazopureho means to rekindle. Now if you read further. You study further. That word anazopureho actually also means to fan to flame. To fan to flame. To fan to flame. If you have ever tried to cook with. Uh, what do you call it now? Firewood. 
You notice that the, the, the wood is burning and burning. And at some point, it looks like the, the fire is going out. But you see, see, there are red coals on it. And if you want to rekindle that fire, what do you do? You fan and you keep fanning. And then you fan it until the fire sparks again. Did you see that? And sometimes the life of a believer is like that firewood. Did you see what I'm saying? It's like the embers are dying. The embers are dying. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, you've got to do what? Fan this thing back to flame. Because God's expectation of you is that you're always on fire. Sometimes you look at your prayer life. It looks like the embers are what? Dying. Prayer life in comatose. This is what I'm saying. The grace of God upon your life, not functioning as it used to, or not functioning as it ought to. What do you need to do? Don't condemn yourself. What you need to do is what? Fan it to flame. Stir up yourself. The good news is that from what Paul said to Timothy, it is possible for you to do it by yourself. You can shake yourself up as a believer and reclaim lost ground. Is somebody hearing what I am saying? I say you can shake yourself up as a believer and you can reclaim lost ground. And that's what God wants you to do. Don't join the club of believers who only speak of what God used to do in their lives and with their lives. It's a bad tale to tell. Oh, I remember when I used to pray. What? Not me. I remember when I used to win 10 souls per week. No, not me. So what is happening to you now? There is no retirement in the kingdom. You fire on. You keep moving on. You keep moving on. Oh, I keep moving on. Hey, I keep moving on. On and on and on and on. Glory. <laughs> you don't quit. You don't let down. You don't let up. You keep firing on. <laughs> don't get to point where you begin to say, you know, all these kinds of things like fasting and prayer is for the boys. No. Not me. I stay aglow. Can you shout amen, somebody? <laughs> Sit down. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Whoo! So notice in 2 Peter 3 1, the way Peter uses it, he uses the other Greek word, which we've seen means to awake. And if you look at those two Greek words used to, to explain and describe the word, uh, the phrase stir up, you see they are words that are very related to each other in their meaning to awake, to raise up. At least it's like sometimes you find yourself sleeping, drifting away. You need to wake up. You need to wake up. You know, one day we're driving and then. I just heard a, a very loud, sharp alarm in my car. And I looked at the screen. And then they say, driver, warning. You know, rest. Rest. I said, Kilo <laughs> I said, he said, rest, rest. Obviously, because of Nigeria rules, you know, had to do portals a couple of times. So, in the mind of the car, the sensor sensed it as though I was dozing. <laughs> so, he said, warning. Rest, driver, rest, park and rest. I said, I said, got me a dose, Joe. You see what I'm saying? And then when he said, I didn't respond, then he gave another one. This one red. He said, Park now. <laughs> Mom said, Open to not off the engine by itself. 
I said, God, if the boy you were born of the end, you will already come to work. Before I realized that he's the car I'm talking to. I said, no, there's nothing wrong. I'm not, I'm not feeling sleepy. I'm not dozing. You know what I'm saying? But that was a good, stereotype top alert. Say, wake up before you hit a pavement. That's the alarm God is looking to some people in the spirit. Because you're already drifting. Drifting. 13 hours on Instagram. Some carnality here. Ah. That scene where they were naked in themselves that you keep going to watch again and again. You're drifting. You're watching the movie. He got to that point, he wanted to remove the Disney, but that was the time the remote, you didn't find it. <laughs> Alas, when you found the remote, the battery was not working. <laughs> and there was no initiative to remove your eyes from there. I said, battery, da. <laughs> Guess what? The Holy Ghost is saying, Bobo, bo, driver, park! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how you know you're drifting. That unusual outburst of anger. You're drifting. You're drifting. You know, Brother Egging said, when you suddenly begin to feel like everybody is maltreating you, the devil is working on you. The devil is actually working on you. It's not about the people that you think are maltreating you. You are the one. You know, because when your ego is so large, anything anybody throws is, is hitting you in the room. Because you are everywhere. Your ego is so big, overblown. Everything everybody does, they are stepping on your toe. Your toe is too big. And truly, the devil is working on your case. When you're like that, you feel everybody's upsetting you. Why is everybody like this? Why are they so insensitive? Why can't they just see that somebody's hurting? Why can't they see? I need time. Why can't they just be understanding? You know, notice what you said in the last few seconds. I, 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 I. The problem is not the people. The problem is you. That moment in your life where you feel everybody owes you, you have a problem. And what do you need? You got to wake up. You got to wake up. You look at your life. The things God said concerning you is as though none of it is even close to manifestation. It's not because God is slack. You are asleep. You are asleep. This is what you see. The first way to stir up yourself, right, is now number one, is by remembrance. The first way to stir up yourself is by remembrance. Is by remembrance. That's what Peter said, 2 Peter 1, 12 and 13. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. Notice again, though ye know them and be established in the present truth. So Peter is saying, it's a matter of repetition. We've got to hear the same things again and again and again. There are some things you heard before, but in a while now, you've not, you've not heard them. What do you need to do? Go back and hear them again. Any area of your life that you feel there's a, there's a sense of slackness, go back and hear what the word says about that area again. It takes the power that produces the thing to keep it. So if it looks as if you're losing it, go back to where the thing came from. Go back to the words that better that thing in your life. You go back to it and listen to it again. If it's something you wrote down somewhere, go and read it again. And read it loud to yourself. Talk yourself back into it. 
The first way to stir up yourself is by remembrance. That's how you see, Paul had a duty to Timothy. He said, look, I will put you in remembrance that you've got to stir up yourself and stir up the gift of God that is in you. Now what God did in the moment requires you to stay with it for the rest of your life. As I said to people, you see, meetings in themselves do not really produce destinies. But they kickstart it. So something can happen in a moment, but you've got to not take responsibility after the moment is gone to stay with what happened in that moment. To remind yourself of what happened in that moment. Because it was in the moment Paul laid hands on Timothy. And gifts were imparted. You see the same thing in 1 Timothy 4.14. Neglect not the gift of God, which is indeed by the putting on of the hands of the presbytery. The laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So they laid hands on Timothy at some point, And Paul is saying to him, that day something happened to you. Make sure you don't forget it. Don't neglect it. Don't live your life like somebody who didn't receive invitation. Now the Lord is bringing his word to you. There are many impartations many of you have received. You got to walk in it. Philemon 1.6, Paul had to pray for Philemon that the communication of thy faith might be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. That acknowledging again is another way of saying remember what is there. Acknowledge what is there. So the things of the spirit function via the vehicle of what acknowledgement mindfulness reminding yourself of it consciousness of it Peter said I'm going to stir up your, your pure mind I love the way the, the Kenneth Wust, Wist rather Kenneth Wist translation puts it he said I want to stir up your unsolid mind unsolid there means unstained unpaved on 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 unstained incorrupted minds it means sometimes the reason why it's difficult for you to stir up yourself is because you are exposing yourself to wrong stuff. You are exposing yourself to stuff that is choking the word of God in your heart. But the reason why many have forgotten and why they are not walking in the reality of what they've received and heard is because after you receive the word, you now went to begin to choke the word you received by exposing yourself to many things that are against the word. You got to keep your mind pure. Keep the atmosphere of your heart very pure. You can't be trying to get God's word in your heart for healing. And at the same time, you're exposing yourself to materials that keep bringing fear of sickness into your life. You got to decide which one you want to do. You got to decide. You see, for many Christians, your problem is not that you don't have faith or you don't even believe faith works. The problem is that there is a lot of doubt you have allowed in your life. Matthew 21 and verse 21 very I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not. So it means it's possible to have faith and still doubt. So the reason why many Christians are not living the supernatural life is not because there is no faith. Every believer has faith. The reason why many Christians are not living by faith and seeing the supernatural life is because there is doubt in their life. If you get rid of your doubt, you will see how your faith will soar. So get rid of doubts. Too much doubt in the life of many Christians. Too much doubt. Too much doubt. The faith is there, but the doubt is choking it. <laughs> That's why you see, he has a need. The first thing that readily occurs to his mind is to borrow. You know where that, that ready-made 
borrowing initiative came from the doubt you allowed in your life because whatever dominates your consciousness is what you come out at crunch time borrow 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 not a few that's what comes to him readily it never occurs to him that my God shall supply all my need according to Jesus and glory by Christ. It never occurs to him. Why? He knows that scripture. He knows that scripture works. But there is too much doubt. So when he is in need, it is the doubt that surfaces. <laughs> Not the faith. Somebody said no more. No more. So you've got to remind yourself. Remind yourself. Some of you now, you know, the words God gave you you know, that's what I told you last week. The words God gave you 40 days of transformation last year. Words God gave you towards the end of last year concerning 2022. Some of you, the word God gave you to 2022, you are, you, you've not even gone to check it since December. You are in April already. How can the word for 2022 work when you don't even bother to check it? How? And then next week again, you say you are coming for another word. The one you receive, what have you done with it? What have you done with it? The blessing I received on my birthday last year, I take it upon myself. When I open my note, I pinned it is number one on my note list on my iPad. So I, also, I always like to see it there. And not just to be seeing the title, I open it regularly. I sometimes just open it and I just meditate on it. And that's what to do to remind yourself. Meditate on the words. If somebody insults you now, is that not all you do? You keep recalling it. That's why you're angry. If you see what he said to me. He said, I am a buffoon. Ah, a first class buffoon. You don't know what you are doing. You are meditating. You know? That's exactly what you are doing. And that's why you are beginning to act in buffoonry. <laughs> All the characteristics of a buffoon is already showing in your life. Why? You are meditating on that insult. He said, I am a buffoon. Why not meditate on what the Lord said? He said, rapid rising. By the zeal of the Lord. Not by human effort. Not by human calculation. But by the zeal of the Lord. You wake up every morning, meditate on it. During the day, meditate on it. Before you go to bed at night, meditate on it. Before you know what is happening, it dominates your consciousness. And once it dominates your consciousness, it will find its way in your life. How can you expect the prophecy that you forgot it to happen to you? It doesn't work like that. No prophecy fulfills itself by itself. Prophecy needs the active participation of the recipient. Prophecy requires the active participation of its recipient. Prophecy requires the active participation of its recipient. So the first thing that helps you to stay up yourself is remembrance. Remind yourself. You are a parent, you are raising a child. What did God tell you about your child? As that child is growing, if he begins to grow outside of what God said, go back to what God said. What did God tell you about the year? If the year is not looking like what God told you, go back to what God said about the year. Use it to bring the year back in order. You judge every disobedience with what God told you. With what God told you. No disfavor is permitted in my life. None whatsoever. Everywhere I turn, I am favored. I am the favored one. That's the reason why when many Christians face challenges, particularly challenges that 
contradict what God told them. Instead of them to take what God said and fight that thing, they can't even take the word because they've forgotten it. Forgotten it. What is this year for you? Yes, we are spreading as a church. You now, what did God tell you personally? What are the things you, from the messages, from all the prayers, everything we've done last year, there are some things that you receive that you say, This one is my word. This one is my, you know, people just come to say, I cash it, I cash up, I cash up, I cash up. So, where, where did you cash now? Where are you? You don't think I shop Aku and Oporoku? What is that? What is on? You hold on tight to the word. I love the way one song Kidmore sang, like a dog with the bone. You hold on to it. This is April. I'm staring up your pure mind. I'm staring up. When you see a year end, and it's as if you don't have a testimony to show for anything God told you, it's not because the word failed. It's because you didn't pay attention to it. And I tell you, this teaching is a call to wake up. That sickness should not be your body by now. Shouldn't be your body by now. You shouldn't continue to write applications. By now, you should have a job. By now, you should have a job. By now, you should have a job. That your dream job is now. Come on, I said that your dream job is now. Some of you look at yourself, and just ha, I used to win souls before. What has happened to me? I'm not winning souls again. And God says, Our yell spreading, is our yell spreading? Then spread. So, what are you looking at? Then spread. Then spread. They harass you somewhere. Go back there. I can go send you somewhere, and any human being wants to dislodge you from there. You go back and tell the person, Who are you? Who is it that said and it coming to pass when the Lord has not said so? The, Lord, the word of the Lord does not work in a vacuum. The word of the Lord is looking for a host. A human being. That's why Mary's response to the angel was, Behold and hind maiden, be it unto me according to your word. If she didn't believe that word, God will find another virgin. You know some of you, the way you are going, God has to look for somebody else. I made up my mind, whoever God, you see every human being has a replacement with God. But I'm going to my whoever is my replacement, it will be jobless till Jesus comes. He <laughs> will have no job to do till Jesus comes because this me you are looking at. I'm not about to, to, to let God down. No. 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 So the word doesn't fail. You have to stir up yourself. You have to wake up yourself. Healing is mine. Healing is mine. No sickness is allowed in my body. Remain standing. We close with this tonight. Hallelujah. Number two way to stir up yourself is to pray in the Holy Ghost. Is to pray in the Holy Ghost. Next week we're going to continue. We're going to look at how to disabuse your mind in the prophetic. A lot of things because you see, stirring up yourself is basically about living a prophetic life. And to live a prophetic life is not anything mysterious or spooky. Living a prophetic life simply means to live your life based on the words God has given you per time. That's simple meaning of being a prophetic person. Being, living a prophetic life does not mean you know, everywhere you go, talk, talk, says the Lord, talk, says the Lord, talk, says the Lord. No, it simply means, look, you are living according to the word of God for your life part time. Man shall not live by bread alone, 
Deuteronomy 8 3, Mark, Matthew 4 4, Luke 4 4. But by every word that proceeded forth from the mouth of God shall man live. That's what it means to live a prophetic life. You are living based on what God is saying to you. At any time where you look at your life and it does not tally with the word of God concerning your life at that time, you are not living a prophetic life, sir. And I said to people most times, you see, it's not so much about how dramatic the encounters you've had with God is. The issue is, are you living according to what he said? In all those dramatic encounters. Little instructions such as that nudging you felt, you felt in your spirit that you should be praying, you know, every day, 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Are you living like that? If you are shrugging off that nudge, you are not living a prophetic life. It's as simple as that. Doesn't matter how many words, tongues, and interpretation you are giving. The important thing is, I'm responding to those nudgings. I told you, I'm sorry, God can bring a word to you, an impartation for you in a moment, but that does not mean you start, you start manifesting your life instantly. Usually, once there's an impartation, there now opens up to you a road for you to walk. One of such things is when God begins to now nudge you to do certain things. Pray at such time every day. Do so and so. Give this kind of offering every time. Look at that person there. Take that person up as your, as your intercession case study. Start praying every day that your loved one who is yet to be saved, the light you have now received in Christ, I want you to take every member of your family one per month. Pray for them 30 minutes every day for the next one month. Next month, pray for your next sibling. Every day, 30 minutes for the next 31 days. Are you, are you yielding to that? When you shrug off those things, you are no longer living a prophetic life. There is nothing spooky about the prophetic life. A prophetic life is the life lived according to the dictates of the spirit per time. Per time. You know, one time last year, the Lord said to me, every hour on weekends, every, every hour between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Is this between 3 p.m. and 9 p.m.? Every hour over the weekends, pray 15 minutes every hour. Mange yada bada 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 15 minutes, pam, then I rest. The next hour, pam, pray again like that. Every weekend. For a few weeks, like that. Nothing just came. Just like that. Mom and I, we are around one like that. As I speak to you now. Every hour, there is a particular number of minutes. We pray. I'm doing it for the next 10 days. See what I'm saying? Pam, ye bororobolo, godo ye dele, like Just pray. Just pray. When God told me to do that last year, the Lord said to me, it's one of the secrets of being fresh in the spirit. Because you notice that when you do that 10 minutes or 15 minutes in each hour, like that, it may not be the entire hours of the day, it could be five hours for you, it could be three hours for you. When you do that, when you do that, you notice that all that time, even the remaining part of that hour, you have already consecrated it. It saturates your life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, recently the Lord said to me, He said, Fast three days, rest three days. Fast three days, rest three days. Fast three days. I've not recovered from that fasting yet. Although I've stopped the fasting now, but I've not recovered. Sometimes I just eat once a day and I'm done. Because fasting is 24 hours. It should be. So most times I just fast 3 p.m. is when I break my fast until 3 p.m. the following day again. I'm good to go. And you just do it. Why? So I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know. God must not explain everything to you. Some of you it is in your waiting that you are querying God. Is in your waiting for Lord. Why should I do it? Uh, God will put you there. He said, He hasn't told me why. He can't tell you. 
God says you do something. You are saying, sir, why? Explain, please. In not, it's not, in not less than 500 words. Explain yourself. Very succinctly put. Tell us why, sir. Give us diagram. Let us know why do you want us to be doing this. And God is looking at you. I know my shame. And that's what that instruction is lifting off you now. I know one thing about God is that when the instruction leaves off you, we can be sure it has landed on somebody else. And what you have done is, unfortunately, you missed the season. You lost something. But God is merciful. He will bring it back. And tonight, that's what he's doing. Some of you are going to receive fresh instructions again. The same instructions you ignored before. God is going to bring it back. I said, God is going to bring it back. I said, God is going to bring it back. You know, I told you many years ago, as an undergraduate student, you know, it was a long holiday with strike and everything, 2002, and the Lord said to me, he said, pray every night, 1.15 a.m. to 4.30 a.m. Very odd kind of time, you know, duration like that. 1.15 a.m. to 4.30 a.m. And I was just like, I used to set an alarm. Man, that was the first time I ever did that kind of exercise in my life. It changed my life forever. I'm grateful to God for life that I obeyed that instruction. Some of those things are seasonal. Pray between this time and this time. You'll be wondering, why this time and this time? God knows. You don't have to get an explanation for that. Why between this time and this time? Just do it. And I thank God for life that I obeyed that instruction. 2011, the Lord came to me and said to me, He said, pray the polite prayers. The whole year. Started with Colossians 2, 6 as a confession. As I have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk I in him. Thank you, Jesus. It was a constant thing. In whom I have boldness and access to confidence by the faith of him. Ephesians 2, 13. Like that. Every day. And then go to Ephesians 1 and pray those polite prayers. But those two confessions to start with. The whole year. The whole year. He revolutionized my teaching ministry. Forever. Some of those instructions will not be there for long. It's seasonal. The reason is because God is trying to use it to stir something up inside you. When you shrug it up, sir, you miss something up. What is it that God has told you in recent time? It is for the sake of stirring something up inside you. One thing I've realized is the fact that I can stir you up by reminding you, but I cannot stir you up the one you are supposed to do for yourself. There is a stirring up that your teacher can do. That's what Peter said there. He said, I will stir you up by way of remembrance. But there is a stirring up by prayer. You have to do it yourself. My prayer cannot stir you up. Your prayer must be done if you will stir up yourself. I cannot use my prayer to stir you up. I can only remind you. But you have to stir up yourself. Many people carry prophecies that they never see in manifestation. It's not because God is not kind to you. It's because you are not ready to walk the road. And the way to walk the road is to do what? Pray yourself. Pray yourself. Pray yourself anointed. Some of you need to take some of those words that you have been waiting for. Well, how long will this thing? You know, that's what Jeremiah did. You see that? I mean, uh, Daniel rather. Then I said, well, I, I understood by books that the year, number of weeks or years appointed for the captivity of God's people had been fulfilled and they are still in bondage. What did he do? He took those words to God in prayer. Hosea 14 to put it on the screen. He said, Take you words and turn unto God. He said, Say unto him, Take away our iniquity and be gracious unto us. So shall we offer the calves of our lips. But notice the first thing he says, Take with you words and do what? Turn to God. So you take the words God gave you. What do you do? You take it to God in prayer. And then you begin to pray it. You pray it in understanding. You pray it in tongues. 
and you stay there and you stay there and you stay there you see one of the major leverage that prayer gives the believer is insight into the wisdom of god into the plan of god into what god is and that's why i always do is when you're praying you see always watch for the leading thoughts always watch for leading. a man who prays in the spirit is a man whose eyes are wide open in the spirit is a man whose ears are wide open in the spirit and is a person whose heart is quickened to understand things when we are prayerless we misunderstand what god is doing we misinterpret what he's even saying to us we misread the events of our lives oh when we get in the place of prayer truly it stirs us up it wakes us up do you see that now it awakes us fully you see, sometimes some people are awake, but they are not awake fully. Have you, have you, have you seen? Maybe I even happened to you when you're growing up, or even till now that sometimes you are awake, but you know you are not fully awake. And then you are talking, you are, not, you are, you are, you are incoherent. You see what I'm saying? That's the way it is when you are not stirred up. It's like you are not fully. That's why that word, that word, the anapurero means anasopuero means to wake fully. Wake up fully. Don't be half awake and half asleep. It's about. It's even more dangerous. It's more dangerous to be half awake, half asleep than to be asleep totally. Because the man who is half awake and half asleep, he, he believes he's ready to, to go on the journey. And he'll go and kill himself and kill people. And that's where many Christians are in a state of comatose. Half awake, half asleep. But to stir up yourself means to fully awake. And to be fully aware. This is what God is doing. I told you learn that everything has its place. If you miss a season you may still be able to grow your plant or your crops but it will take more effort outside of the proper season outside of the proper season some of you are in a season that is an accurate season of your life right now and i pray for you you will not lose it you will not miss it the devil will not smite you with slumber in the name of the lord jesus and I therefore I declare over everyone who is half awake and half asleep, wake up in the name of Jesus. Let there be an awakening in your spirit. Let there be an awakening in your soul. Let there be an awakening in your spirit. Let there be an awakening in your soul. Let there be an awakening in your spirit. Let there be an awakening in your soul. Sometimes the devil uses sorrow to douse people and make them to get drowsy. You know, those two disciples on their way to Emmaus, they saw Jesus, but the Bible said they couldn't recognize him because they, they, were, they, were, they were heavy with sorrow. Some of you, you're crying over things and crying. Anyone whose heart is heavy with sorrow tonight, I declare, let the joy of God overwhelm your spirit. Let the eyes that have been shut by sadness and sorrow be opened with the joy of the Lord. This message was brought to you from the Heritage of Faith Church. Our vision is raising stronger believers. For more impactful resources, visit our website at www.hofng.org. God bless you.